The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. This afternoon in our business meeting, we, are, we realize that we're coming near the end of the construction and the other things that we've planned to do in bringing our building project to a conclusion. And while none of us would say that our church is divided at all, we recognize that we have some divided opinions about the next thing we want to do. And so I want to speak to you tonight on a subject that has nothing to do with the building. I want to speak to you tonight on what the scripture says regarding the love that should be between the Lord's people and his church. Now, the Lord established his church while he was here on the earth. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We believe the Lord established his church and that it will be here somewhere until he returns. I've been doing some research on the history of the King James Bible, and I believe that the Lord's word, his true word, his uh, pure word, has been and will be preserved until the Lord comes back. Now the Lord's people have met a lot of different places and the nice buildings that we meet in today are the rare exception to the rule of the conditions that God's people have met in throughout the years. Uh, sometimes they met in caves to hide from the authorities who would have them arrested or even killed if they were caught worshiping the Lord. Now, primitive Baptists believe that what they preach is the truth, and we shouldn't look at that as an arrogant statement. If I didn't believe uh, that primitive Baptists were preaching the truth, I'd certainly be going somewhere else. I don't want to be preaching among a people that preaches error. I want to be right. I want to preach the truth because that's what honors the Lord. But there's something about the Lord's church that's unique. You might say, well, you know, out here in the religious world, this denomination believes this, and this denomination believes this, and maybe these over here, they believe the truth. But there's more to it than that. There's a special bond between the Lord and his church. There's a special bond between the individual members of that church. And there's a special bond between each member and the Lord. So I want us to look at the Lord's church in that light. Not so much the, the doctrines but more the, the sense of love 
that the Lord has in his relationship with this church. Now in John chapter 4, there's a very familiar scene here in John chapter 4 verse 21. Jesus is here with uh, the woman at the well and he says, uh, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Lord. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. How often have you heard someone say, well, I believe all that matters is that you're sincere. That's certainly not what Jesus said. Somebody may say, well, everyone has a right to their own opinion. Well, you have a right to your own opinion, but when it comes to worshiping the Lord, the only right you have to is to believe the truth. As far as the Lord's concerned, you don't have a right to your own opinion. Jesus says the hour is coming when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Listen to this. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father is looking for, He's going after, He's seeking people that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now that alone convinces me that there's going to be a a special type of relationship and a bond between the Lord and true worshipers that you will not find between the Lord and other worshipers in spite of how sincere they might be. God is a spirit and they that worship him must. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Paul outlines this in a very specific way in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And again, think about how much of a contrast this is to the way the religious world would have you to think. Ephesians 4, 4, Paul says, There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Now certainly we would agree that there is one Lord. I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. If, if you do, I don't know why you're here. I think we would all agree that there is one Lord. Well, the rest of this verse is just as true. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, what that means is that there is a truth or truths about God. And in no more than I would want you to misrepresent me, 
The Lord doesn't want us to misrepresent Him. Isn't it interesting how we'll look at things in our life and see how uh, certain things would offend us and we don't consider how that may affect the Lord if you treated Him that way. How would you like it if somebody, or if somebody said of you that, uh, that your attitude was it doesn't really matter what people think about you as long as they're sincere. It doesn't matter if they think I'm a murderer or a killer. As long as they really think that, that's all that matters. Yet some people want to treat the Lord that way. That as long as you're sincere in what you believe about the Lord, that's really all that matters. That's not all that matters as far as the Lord's concerned. He says there's one Lord, one faith. And Jude admonished the people to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And one of the meanings of that uh, rendering is that, that that faith is perpetually valid. Whatever the faith was, whatever the truth was, whatever the doctrines were that the Lord wanted His people to believe in the first century, they're the same in the 21st century. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The reason there's one baptism is because there's only one faith and baptism is a profession of faith. You may have been in the water a dozen times, but true baptism is associated with someone that has embraced the one faith. True baptism is for the one that says, I believe that Jesus Christ is my righteousness. I believe that He saved me. When I'm baptized, my whole hope of eternal salvation is in what He did for me. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So there's something special between the Lord and His church, or the Lord and His true worshipers. Paul wrote to the young preacher Timothy and tied those points together when he said that the house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. One of the things that's helped me as I've researched the King James Bible, and I don't want to get into that tonight, I hope to get into it at a later time, but one of the things that they'll say about these newer translations is they'll say they came from older and more authoritative manuscripts. But when you look into it, you realize these manuscripts that aren't as old as those are the ones that have been passed down within the church. And when I thought about that, that's the first verse that came to my mind. God is going to perpetuate His truth through the church. If I don't believe that the Lord's church would... Uh, exist for several hundred years with incorrect transcripts. Do you? 
and then only to one day discover some transcripts down in Egypt, and that's where they found them, down in Egypt, and say, oh, here's the real thing right here. No, see, the Lord perpetuates and preserves truth in the church. Not through an organization, not through a, a, a religious a school or anywhere else. It's through the church. The Lord's church is something special. Amen. And the world marvels. Uh, they reject the notion that the Lord would even consider using that body of unlearned and ignorant men to carry on his truth from one generation to another. But notice what the Lord thinks about his church. In Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and verse 9. My dove, my undefiled is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bare her. The daughter saw her and blessed her. Yea, the kings and the, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. See, the Lord set up his church. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He said that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And the Lord here describes how special his people are to him, how special his church is. The church is described as the bride of Christ. Now we recognize that God has an elect people out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe under heaven. The true worshipers in the Lord's church are just a microscopic portion of his people. Yes. Being in the church is not what gets you to heaven. Amen. Professing the truth is not what gets you to heaven. Amen. The only way anyone will ever be in heaven is because God chose them in Christ before the world began, predestinated them to be with him, Jesus came in the fullness of time, on time, to save them from their sins, and they will be with him one day in heaven. But what a privilege and an advantage we have to be part of his true worshipers here. Now look at the book of Ruth. To me, this is a a beautiful picture of the Lord's church because it talks about this young woman uh, who through her devotion to her mother-in-law gives us in a symbolic way a picture of how our devotion should be toward the Lord. Now, you remember here in the book of Ruth, there was a, a man by the name of Elimelech and his wife, Naomi. And they had, during a time of famine, 
left the land of Bethlehem, Judah, and went down to the land of Moab. Now, we know that Bethlehem, Judah, was the place of the Lord's people, the place of true worship, and the, uh, the country of, or the area of Moab was not a place the Lord had given to his people. So we see that this wasn't a good place to go. There was uh, false gods there and idol worship. And Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons went down to Moab. And after being there a little while, uh, Elimelech passes away. And that leaves uh, Naomi and her two sons. And we see that these two sons uh, eventually took wives, one by the name of Orpah and one by the name of Ruth. And it says that uh, they were there for, or dwelled there, about ten years. Malon and Chilion, that was the two sons of Elimelech and Naomi. It says, uh, they died also, both of them, and the woman, Naomi, was left of her two sons and her husbands. In other words, she had lost her two sons and her husbands. So now all we have is uh, Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. Now, that was not a good situation. You know, unlike today, when women lost their husband, and especially if you lost your husbands and your sons, and all that was left was the women folk, being Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, that was a desperate situation to be in. And notice in... Uh, Verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Now I just want us to start right here in terms of seeing how this is a picture of the church. The Lord had not permanently forsaken his people. But it's easy when things aren't going well in the Lord's kingdom to leave and go somewhere else. And there may be consequences from going somewhere else. You may find yourself in a very desperate situation. You see, provisions, it was much more uh, likely that provisions would have, have been made for uh, Naomi had she stayed in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. But her husband, as the leader, took her and his two sons down to the land of Moab. And so they now find themselves in this desperate condition. The Lord had now visited his people in Bethlehem, Judah. And so I just want to start right there and tell you young people here that no matter what may happen in the Lord's church, you don't leave. Don't go somewhere else because the Lord will again visit His people. I, I want you young people to know how good you have it 
When I remember when I was young, there were many times I was the only young person there. I was the only teenager in the congregation. And somebody said this to me not too long ago, and I haven't forgotten. They were talking about that their, their, their young person, their child, had quit attending the church because uh, there was no other young people there. And this other church she's now going to has so much to offer the young people. Let me tell you this. The church is not here to offer you anything. The church is here for you to present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service you don't realize that if you as a young person are dedicated and you show yourself friendly I don't care if there's just two or three widow women in that church that's a great blessing and God is much more pleased with you being a blessing to the widows than getting all the things that satisfy you out here in the religious world so you see, this wasn't a good state to be in. And so then, it says, verse 7, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Now that's a good decision, isn't it? to return to the land of Judah. You may have made some mistakes, but it's never too late to come back and return to the land of Judah. And Noemi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Now listen, you're not going to find rest in Moab. This wasn't good counsel. You're not going to find rest in Moab. Even if you left, and we're going to say left the church, because I realize this is a literal lesson to be taken literally. But I believe there's also a good spiritual lesson here. You may have left the church when things weren't going well and you found out it didn't work so well out there in the Lord, and you may have lost some of your family out there in the world, but it's never wrong to come back to Judah and find the provisions that the Lord has for you there. Verse 11, And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? You know, I believe I've seen situations where parents didn't really, it didn't really seem to be a burden with them that their children come back to the church. Have you ever seen that? It's almost as if they're okay with it. Yeah, we had, there were some problems uh, when they were little in the church. There were some problems in the church, and that's why they've left the church. But you know that they really seem to be happy where they are. 
And I realize if people are happy where they are, you don't, have, you don't have the ability to make them unhappy. And it's not your job to try to make them unhappy. But if the Lord stirs them up in some way, you be there to encourage them to come back to the Lord's house. But Naomi says, why will you go with me? Are, yet, are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have a hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Now you can be so absorbed by the visible that you lose the blessings of the invisible. Amen. And that's what's going on here. Don't you let Satan say, well, and I, I'm glad, that I don't believe this, it's this way today, but it could be, and it has been. Don't allow Satan to convince you, well, there's really just nothing there for me. Have you ever, I've heard this before, and I'm not being critical, I'm trying to encourage you. I've heard young people say there's just no primitive Baptist my age to marry. There are. You just don't see them. The Lord does. But see, Naomi's just looking at the visible. And the visible is sad. It does appear to be hopeless. But you know, that's usually when the Lord works is when it's hopeless, right? Because then man's not going to get any glory for it. The Lord's going to get all the glory when we realize we can't fix it. We can't revive it. I can't resolve this problem. You know, the last time I checked, one of the prophets said, the Lord can make the desert blossom as a rose, and he can still do that today. Amen. Verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. Naomi doesn't realize what she has. These they're, these are not her daughters. These are her daughters-in-law. And they loved her, and they're willing to go wherever she goes. Isn't that a great blessing? How many, just in a, in a natural sense, how many mothers are there today who have two daughters-in-laws married to their sons that if their sons died, they would still be fully committed to her? How many have that situation today? That's rare, isn't it? But there was something about Naomi that caused them to want to be with her. And then notice, they lifted up their voice, verse 14, and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Now, Orpah was wanting to go with her. 
But she was ultimately persuaded by her mother-in-law not to go with her. But I want you to notice this. Ruth clave unto her. I hope everyone here tonight is a Ruth. Ruth clave unto her. They're away from the church. They're away from Bethlehem, Judah. They're in the land of Moab. They're in a place that it's not good for the Lord's people to be. But Ruth clave unto her mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth herself had not been a part of uh, the nation of Judah. She had not been a part of the blessings that God gave to that land. She was a, a Moabite. And, but notice what happened here. It says they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Her mother-in-law is saying she's went back to those other gods, and that's what you need to do. <laughs> I tell you, we can really lose sight of things, can't Amen. we? You need to be real careful where you're sending your children. Amen. Don't send them out to the false gods. When they're approaching age of making decisions and and getting independent, you, you consider that, that the kingdom of God is a real factor. Amen. It's not just something to have when everything else is worked out and going like you want it to go, that you can now add in the church. No, this is the focus. But notice what it said, and here, here's what I really want you to see. In verse 16, after it said in verse 14 that Ruth claved to her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Now I want you to think of Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, as a picture of the church. And I want you to think of Ruth as a member of the church, and then I want you to ask yourself, am I a Ruth? Notice the attitude here. Entreat me not to leave thee. Do you pray that to the Lord? Lord, I don't want to leave the church. Lord, entreat me not to leave. Let me feel your presence, Lord. Let me have spiritual food. Let me, let me enjoy the fellowship of thy people. Let me have the attitude that I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let me have the attitude when I leave of saying, it, it was good that I have been to the house of the Lord. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. 
For whither thou goest, I will go. Are you going to go where the church is? We have it here right now. And the Lord's blessing it here right now. So I want to stay here. Don't you? Whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Now listen to this. Thy people shall be my people. You know, Jesus said, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's pretty hard language, isn't it? We are, we're supposed to love our families. We're supposed to have a, a close relationship in our families. And oh, how wonderful it is when our natural family and our church family are one and the same. But when it gets right down to it, Jesus says, if your allegiance is more to your natural ties than it is to your commitment to me, then you're not worthy of me. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Now listen to this. Where thou diest, will I die. You know, I've been in some meetings at some small churches out in the middle of nowhere with buildings that needed repairs. But if I could find that spirit of truth there, if I could be with people that I felt close to like I didn't with any other people, oh, you can feel that sense of commitment, can't you, that this is what I want. Oh, I want this to revive. I want it to be a strong church. I want things to be, to be better. I want to be like it says in Isaiah when he prophesied of the church prospering. He says there shall be children playing in the streets thereof. But see, this text says that where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Is that your attitude toward the church, toward the Lord, toward his kingdom? I'm going to go where he goes. I'm going to lodge where he lodges. I'm going to die with his people. The Lord do so to me and more also. And you can pray that prayer if this is your attitude. The Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me. You know, we give, we often criticize the Apostle Peter for the times he spoke up when it seemed like he ought not to be speaking up. I tell you one time, and I'm glad he spoke up. You remember when so many of them were turning away? And Jesus turned to them and said, Will you also go away? Peter spoke up at the right time with the right thing then. He said, Lord, where shall we go? When I think about the fellowship that I have among the ministry, Men that 
if it were based on secular ties, my relationship would probably be no different than it is with other good men. But I can't find that fellowship out in the world. And that's why you, I'm not, that's why you young people need to be real concerned about these websites like christianmingle.com and eHarmony. The, the, you know, the harmonies in the Lord's kingdom. Pray that the Lord will bring you into harmony with someone who's a part of his kingdom. Those people that you want to live and die with. Peter said, where can we go, Lord? You have the words of everlasting life. And ultimately, that's all that matters. Is the things pertaining to our everlasting life. Stay with the Lord's kingdom. It won't always be good. There'll be some hard times. But there's no better place to be. This world, this religious world, has nothing that even compares to worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.